A blessed Lunar New Year to all of you and to all who are watching online. Uh, Besides being a Chinese New Year, uh, we are also in a season of Lent. Uh, so this is a season that we want to continue to seek the Lord and to ask the Lord to examine our hearts so that we, as what our worship leader has shared also, uh, to be aligned to God. Beginning next uh, Sunday, uh, we are starting a new sermon series. Uh, by now, I think um, most of you, if not all of you, have already collected a hard copy or downloaded the soft copy of the devotional journal titled Our Mission, Bless, Bridge, Catalyze. Yeah, just a, a show of hands, how many of you have collected or have downloaded the devotion? Yeah, I think many of you. Uh, well, I think we still have some copies uh, outside if you prefer a hard copy. So my sermon today is like a prelude to this sermon series uh, as we kind of on a journey uh, towards Easter and I'll share a bit more in a short while. Yeah, so my sermon today is titled, Can We Truly Love One Another? And we'll be looking at the Gospel of John chapter 13 verses 31 to 35. So again, I want to invite you to turn to your Bible, even though the scripture will be on the screen. I think it's really good if we can turn to our Bible, be it a physical copy or your phone. So we'll be looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Verse 31, when he, referring to Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with yet a little while while I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When did Jesus say these words to his disciples? It was the night when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples to demonstrate to them what it means when he said, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It was a night when one of his close disciples, Judas Iscariot, succumbed to darkness and went on to betray his master, Jesus. It was the night before Jesus was arrested and crucified on the cross. And that is why Jesus said to them, where I am going, you cannot come. That night, Jesus gave a farewell message to his disciples and he prayed for them, which are all recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapters 13 to 17. Every farewell message from someone who cares and loves us deeply holds great significance because it tells us what is of great importance to us and to the person who is living. 
Even more so is the farewell message of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus. So our scripture text, John 13, verses 31 to 35, is the beginning of Jesus' farewell message to his disciples. And in today's sermon, uh, we will focus on verses 34 to 35. What sets us apart as disciples of Jesus? Or to put it differently, what distinguishes us as Christians, as people of God? Verses 34 to 35 makes it very, very clear. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to know the answer. It is our love for one another. Amen? It is our love for one another that sets us apart as disciples of Jesus, or to put it simply, as Christians. If our discipleship is not marked by our love for people, we will find other ways to distinguish ourselves as God's people. In the days of Jesus, many, many, many years ago, the Jewish people who saw themselves as the chosen people of God, they tend to place a lot of emphasis on external practices. And if you read the Bible, you'll know some of these practices, practices like circumcision, dietary laws, and Sabbath keeping. But clearly, the religious leaders and teachers who studied the law of God, the Torah, which is found in our Old Testament, knew that these practices were not the core of God's commandments. They knew what it was. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 5. These verses are known to all the Jewish people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. They know this. And in Leviticus 19, verse 18, it says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Despite knowing what is the heart of God's law, the Jewish leaders preferred to use external markers as what I've just mentioned, circumcision, dietary laws, and Sabbath keeping to distinguish themselves as God's people. However, when Jesus came to our world, when he was here on earth, instead of focusing on external practices, he focused on the core of God's commandment, and that is love God, love one another. And this is really important for us to know the core of God's commandments. Love God, love one another. The tendency to define our spiritual life by external practices rather than our love for God and people is also true for many of us who confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So not just the religious leaders in the days of Jesus, but I think for many of us as Christians, there's a tendency for us to measure our spiritual well-being by external practices. And that is why Paul warns the Christians in Corinth, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, 
but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. In today's context, there are many external markers to distinguish ourselves as disciples of Christ. For example, practices like attend church regularly, like what all of you are doing, give the Lord regularly, attend Bible studies, cell groups, prayer meetings, serve in church, participate in outreach projects, go on mission trips, and the list goes on. These are all, all very important, important practices that all Christians, we are to do. But the question to us is this, do we use these external markers to measure, to gauge our spiritual life? Or are we more concerned about our love for God and others? Whether our love for God and for people is growing or fading. In his book, The Life You Have Always Wanted, John Ockberg makes an important point about our spiritual life. And so let me uh, quote. The real issue is what kind of person we are becoming. Practices like reading scripture and prayer are important, not because they prove how spiritual we are, but because God can use them to lead us into life. So it's important for us to get it right. The external practices are important, but they are not meant to show the world or to prove how spiritual, how godly, how Christian we are. They are meant to lead us into life. They are meant to help us to love God and to love people. John Ockberg also came up with a list of questions to examine our spiritual life. And I think these questions are helpful for us in this season of Lent as we look to the Lord to help us to be aligned to Him. The first question, am I spiritually inauthentic? In other words, do I behave as a Christian only when others are looking? Am I trying very hard to make people think that I care when I don't actually care? Second question, am I becoming judgmental or exclusive or proud? To put it differently, do we label people? Do we label people as, oh, these people need a lot of attention, they are very needy, so stay away from them. Oh, these people, they have much to offer, let's try to connect. Are we becoming judgmental, exclusive, or proud? Perhaps sometimes it's not always easy to answer some of these questions, but the third question becomes actually quite uh, obvious to us. Am I becoming more approachable or less? You know, it's one thing for, for us to kind of uh, be known as, as like, oh, I know a lot about the Bible, I can answer all the Bible questions, or I have... Uh, I, I serve in a, a certain capacity in church, or you know, I have the title of a pastor. But all this means nothing if people find it hard to approach us. You know, the way we relate to people, the way people relate to us, is a reflection of our spiritual life. It is no point having a great title or a kind of a great uh, name to you, but 
people find you so unapproachable. Fourth question, am I growing weary of pursuing spiritual growth? So what John Albert is saying is this. If our spiritual life is all about putting up a show, back to the first question, am I spiritually inauthentic? If our spiritual life is all about trying to look Christian, we will become tired of it. We will be tired of trying to grow spiritually because we are not going after the real thing. It's like, why are we even doing this in the first place? And the last question, am I measuring my spiritual life in superficial ways? So back to what I just said. Am I growing in love for God and people? Do I distinguish myself as a disciple of Christ by external practices or by my love for God and people? So again, let us not forget that it is our love for one another that sets us apart as disciples of Jesus. The question is, why is it that many of us prefer external markers like Bible study, prayer, and serving in church to prove that we are disciples of Christ rather than our love for one another? If we are honest with ourselves, and I don't speak for you, I speak for myself. If I'm honest with myself, I will admit that it is very difficult to love one another. Here I'm not talking about loving those who love us, loving those people who make us feel good about ourselves, loving those people who we can hang out all day and then we don't even feel that time has passed. I'm talking about loving all people, regardless of what they are like or how they respond to us. And I think if we are really honest, I think many of us will admit that it is hard to love people. I hope many of you have very positive experiences when it comes to relating to people. And I hope that that really helps you uh, in a way that you relate to others as well. But I believe that all of us, we do have negative experiences. We meet people who are nasty to us. We meet people who we know it takes a lot of us to connect with him or her. It is not easy sometimes to, to love certain people. And then in my mind, in our mind, we may be thinking, oh, perhaps I think it is even easier for me to endure long hours of work than to love one another. It is even easier for us to endure the stress of exam than really to love everybody. And perhaps it is easier for us to do or to attend a one-year Bible studies than to say, oh, I can truly love one another. You see, the number one enemy that we all face, sin, it does something to all of us. Sin corrupts our hearts. It makes it harder for us to love people because life is always revolving around us. That is what sin does to us. It causes us to always be in a mode of self-seeking and self-preserving. We are constantly in this mode of just seeking what is of good for ourselves and not thinking about the people around us. Something that uh, Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, uh, wrote in his book, Making Jesus Lord, left 
a very big impression on me. And this is what he says. The Lord has given us people to love and things to use. But too often, we love things and use people. And this is what sin does to us. Whether we realize it or not, we are made to love people and use things. But let us examine ourselves. Are we more inclined to love things and use people than the other way around? But friends, there is very good news for us. Really, really good news. And so let us return to what Jesus said in his farewell sermon in verses 34 to 35. The commandment to love one another is not a new thing. It is not new under the sun. As mentioned earlier, loving God and one another has always been the core of God's commandments. I hope it is very clear to all of us by now. Loving God, loving one another is the core of God's law right from the beginning. So in what sense is the commandment to love one another new? And the answer is found in these words, just as I have loved you. Of course, I refers to Jesus. Just as I have loved you. Love one another. Jesus is the best, the perfect example of how to love people. However, to love as Jesus loved us is not simply about imitating the way Jesus loves. No, we look to the example of Jesus and that is important. Jesus shows us what it means to love one another selflessly, sacrificially. But when we say we are to love as Jesus loves us, it is not just about copying him. To love as Jesus loves us is to love with the love of God. This is really important. If you don't remember anything in the sermon, remember this. To love as Jesus loves us is to love with the love of God. Why do I say this? You see, what Jesus said in chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, is further explained in chapter 15, verses 9 to 16. So you must read two, these two passages, uh, these two uh, together. So let me just uh, bring us to chapter 15, verses 9 to 10. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I can tell you, these two verses are very, very rich. Perhaps they will really help to unlock a lot of things in our life. So let's pay attention to these verses. Jesus, when He came into our world, He showed us what it is like for a human person to be fully connected to God the Father, such that the person is fully plugged into the life and love of God. Can you picture that? When Jesus came more than 2,000 years ago, He came as a man. And He showed us how a man can be fully plugged into the life and love of God. And so John 59 tells us how Jesus loves us. He loves us with the love of God the Father. And therefore, when Jesus commands us to love one another, He also commands us to abide 
in his love, just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, we cannot be fruitful in our love for one another unless we abide in the life and love of God. So let me quote uh, Pastor John Piper uh, in his sermon on the same uh, scripture text. He says this, So the reason the love we have for each other shows that we are truly Jesus' disciples is that it is only possible because we are grafted into the life and love of Christ. We love as He loved because we love with His love. It is only possible for us to love one another, for us to love even the people that we find it hard to love when we love with the love of Christ or the love of God. So I hope you get this idea. How well we love one another is not so much dependent on how nice we are or how hard we try or even how nice the people around us are. It is dependent on how well we are connected to the vine, how well we abide in the life and love of Christ. But then the next question to us is this. If we can love well when we are connected well to the vine, then how can we be connected to the vine well? And again, in verse 10, the answer is there. How well we abide in the life and love of Christ in turn is dependent on our obedience to God's commandments. Verse 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And so again, uh, to quote uh, a New Testament scholar, uh, Donald Carson, he he put it uh, really simply in these words. If we are the recipients of Jesus' love in a way analogous to his own reception of the Father's love. We must remain in Jesus' love by exactly the same means by which he has always remained in his Father's love, and that is obedience. If this is too early for you and there's just too much going on in those words, It is really very straightforward and logical. How can we love one another? We can't unless we are connected to the life and love of God. Amen? But how can we be connected or abide in the life and love of God? It is by our obedience to God's commandments. But friends, all these are all in the verses. I want to encourage you for you to continue to meditate on them. Because I was saying this, is, is this, it is really difficult for us to love one another. But it is also true that how do we know or how do we distinguish ourselves as disciples of Christ? Only by one thing, by our love for one another. So what does it mean for us to love with the love of Jesus? And I'll close with this segment, John 15 again, as we look at verses 12 to 13. So here you can see the repeat in John 15. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
Jesus gave his life for us. He willingly sacrificed himself for our sins. And so, as we look at Jesus, we know that love involves giving and sacrifice. Love is not just something that is a feel-good feeling. It involves giving and sacrifice. Amy Carmichael, an Irish Christian missionary who spent 55 years serving in a country that is very different from where she grew up in India, she said this, You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. A story was told by a man called Joseph Stowell. One day he walked to work and he passed by a newspaper vendor. The newspaper is sold by homeless people who collect a portion of the proceeds. It was a very cold January morning and Joseph had already stopped by Starbucks and paid for a small cup of coffee. Feeling noble, he struggled to find his wallet, reached in and he took out a dollar. The homeless woman asked, Do you really want to keep the paper or can I keep it to sell to someone else? Joseph was happy to say, keep the paper. And casually he asked, how are you today? The homeless woman replied, I'm very, very cold. Before Joseph turned to continue his way to work, he said to the woman, I hope the sun comes out, it warms up and you have a good day. Joseph continued on with a cup of coffee warming his hand. At about half a block later, the conversation finally registered. He wrestled for a moment with what he should do, but he was late, and so he kept walking. Ever since, he regretted not giving her a cup of hot coffee. You know, perhaps some of us, we also share similar experiences We want to show our love, but because we fail to give our time, attention and money, we lose the opportunity of making a difference in someone's life. And so let us show our love with giving, not just with empty words. Words. Many people, including Christians, we struggle to give because giving, as I mentioned, involves some kind of sacrifice. When I give to the poor, I sacrifice the money that I can use to buy something I want. When I give my time to someone in need, I sacrifice the time I can use to rest or to do something I like. It is true that giving always involves some kind of sacrifice, but it is more than that. David Robinson, one of the best basketball players of all time, he was very involved uh, in helping out with the homeless and needy families. And so he gave a lot uh, to charity. When asked about his generous giving to help the poor and needy, this is what he said. This aren't sacrifices for me. If I'm clutching my money with both hands, how can I be free to help my wife and kids? If I'm clutching my money with both hands, how can I be free to help my wife and kids? This is a very powerful metaphor for us to think about. A lot of times, if we're holding on very tightly to the things, perhaps like what Lauren Cunningham says to us, 
we are loving things more than loving people. Richard Foster, in his book, Money, Sex and Power, shared something similar. When we give money, we are releasing a little more of our egocentric selves and a little more of our false security. Giving frees us to care. Giving frees us to care. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So in the next few weeks, we will continue to explore how we can love one another by being a blessing, by being a bridge, by being a catalyst for the glory of God and the good of all people. And as mentioned, you know, when we talk about showing love to one another, it's not just empty words, it's not just something that we, we talk about. We want to put into action as well. And so later on, during the family news, you will also see opportunities for us, especially as we approach Easter. There's really opportunities for us to show love in a very practical way uh, to the people that we know. And we hope that God will use us powerfully to bring His love to the people around us. And so I pray that through our love and our giving, Christ will be magnified in our lives. Not us. That Christ will be magnified in our lives. And that Christ will be made known to our family, to our friends, to our neighbours, to our colleagues, and especially to the community here in Amokyo. So can I invite all of you to join me in prayer as we commit this to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for Jesus, for how he showed us what it means to love one another, not by his own strength, but truly by abiding in your love. And so Lord, I pray for all of us, especially in this season of land, as we look to you, as we ask God, examine our hearts. Lord, I pray that Lord, you enlarge our hearts that you help us to be so plugged into your love and your life that there will be such an overflowing of your love through our lives that many more people will come to experience you. And so for some of, from, for us who struggle to learn, perhaps right now even in our minds we are thinking of people that we are struggling with, Lord, I pray even more that you grant us the grace to forgive you grant us the grace to love even when it is difficult. And so, Lord, I pray that as we continue in this time of worship, Holy Spirit, come and do the work in our hearts. Help us to experience your love for us. Help us to know that your love never fails. And help us to receive your love. And in turn, we can channel your love to the people around us. And I pray all this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.